All right, we are back. How is everyone doing? What is with my stream deck? Why every <laughs> single time? Do you have the Throw Our Eyes stuff set up on a separate scene yeah. that isn't connected? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Maybe it's lost connection. To Apparently, your it's lost deck. connection to that. So yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no. We're just going to pretend that that worked and and go hello and welcome to the Through Our Eyes podcast. Uh oh my god, I wasn't following. I feel like kind of, I feel so silly. I wasn't following. So, as you may or may not be aware, Through Our Eyes podcast is uh, a fortnightly uh, um, uh, podcast that we run on this channel to highlight marginalized creators, talk about taboo topics, and uh, generally to tackle those kind of stories that tend not to get talked about or addressed or uh, um, generally uh, not out in the, the general knowledge. Um, I will introduce my, my lovely co-host as per. Pan, would you like to tell us a bit about the Through Our Eyes project? Yes, can do. Hello, everyone. Uh, you, you possibly know me at episode 30, but I'm Pam. And uh, yeah, the Throw Our Eyes project came about a couple of years ago when I was a full-time content creator and wanted to try and do my part and use the platform I had to, to highlight marginalized communities and learn about people I'd, you know, not spent much time with and with, you know, learning more about mental illness and physical illness and understanding myself better. And so I came up with the, the Throw Our Eyes project, which Jack ended up naming because my suggestions were all awful. Um, and they became a selection of 10 hour streams over a year where we raised about 10 grand for charity and talked to over 100 guests. But what we found was over that time, we didn't have long enough periods to get to know everyone individually and answer all the questions that people had for them and so we pulled it out into a podcast where for two hours every other week we get a guest to come on and talk about their specific set of circumstances and learn a little bit more about them all right and uh yeah uh let's get into uh, our guest today shall we uh okay that came out way too wrong um Drag, let's get into yourself into our guests just... <laughs> let's get into Not... introducing our guest uh just gonna ban you quickly Drac, if that's all right <laughs> in my own channel yeah, yeah. um <laughs> tiffany would you like to introduce yourself tell us your handles and a little bit about why you're here today and pronouns and your pronouns oh. Good time zone, everyone. My name is Tiffany Witcher, otherwise known as the VTubing Charity Witch on Twitch. I've raised over $60,000 for different causes close to my heart. I'm an accessibility advocate and consultant that has worked with companies such as Amazon, Twitch, and Square Enix, as few I've worked with. You may have heard me at panels from PAX East and the upcoming Fan Expo panel about accessibility. And I've had the honor to work with and make streaming platforms like Twitch, like helping create the disabled tag and more. My pronouns are they and she, and you can find my social media at twitch.tv slash Tiffany Witcher or and Twitter at twitch at twitter.com slash Tiffany Witcher. And can I get a shout out for our co-host and our guest today, please? If, uh... I was just locating your commands. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've just been made a, a mod well, last time, so I'm just like, where are they? <laughs> it's all right. There are, there are quite a few mods in chat today. So. 
<laughs> right. Okay. So, um, and what is it that we're, we're wanting to talk about today in, in detail? Uh, we're talking about accessibility um, in Twitch and gaming. All right. So, uh, our first question I wanted to um, basically give us an opportunity to get a lowdown of your story um, and, and why this is a topic that you wanted to talk about passionately. Oh, a lowdown my story about yeah, this? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So how did it come um, about that you, this is something that you're passionate about? Um, as a, I'm a disabled streamer myself. I suffer from multiple chronic illnesses from lupus to rheumatoid arthritis. So I have limited motor abilities when it comes to gaming. And um, I have visual issues due to multiple seizures and, um, and from my epilepsy. Um, I got into basically becoming an accessibility advocate because I realized gaming has not is not where it needs to be when it comes to accessibility and neither is a switch platform for example um people have to do an integrated closed captioning and um uh, from a third party instead of twitch actually having that something that they sh should have implemented into the platform um that's why i got into that so i thought like hey i could talk about accessibility gaming that's what i'm really good at talking about so why not i'll do it on the podcast and so why is this such a uh, um an important topic to actually discuss what 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 is accessibility and what is uh, um the need for it um it's an important topic because everyone deserves to eat at the table um it's one of those things where everyone deserves to game everyone deserves uh, i'm stumbling on my words everyone deserves to game and every um people of the disabled community are the one of the most excluded people um in gaming today uh, whether it being from proper closed captioning, um, proper closed captioning, proper control, handling, um, lighting, and more, the disabled community is the most left out and sometimes the most harassed because we ask for things to get better and people are just telling us to get good. Um, when it comes to accessibility, um, accessibility is a basically a um, concept. Uh, what's the best way I can um, say it? Um, the, that will be um, accessibility is a design of products, devices, um, services, um, and more that is usable usable by the disabled community. Um, so something that is accessible for people who um, like myself is that, that I can alter the lighting in a video game. I can change the controls. Um, I can allow closed captioning for people that um, have hearing. Um, disabilities and more. Uh, it's one of those things that should be talked about more, especially in gaming and streaming, because we're at a, we're in the year 2022 and we're still very far behind when it comes to accessibility. Sorry, yeah. uh, Pan, could you? Uh... <laughs> yeah, you're all good. I was going to say that that was perfectly said. And uh, gaming and accessibility is incredibly close to my heart. As like you, Tiff, I'm I'm a disabled gamer for multiple different reasons. I do find that as well as accessibility and disabled gamers often being put upon because it, it tends to be the gaming communities will tend to say, well, it's a waste of money to put in accessibility when they could put in, you know, skimpier outfits. They could have put in better outfits for my, my characters instead of making sure that everyone can play. That's ridiculous. It, it, there's, uh, unfortunately, we have to try and advocate to the games and the developers also suggest what might need to be implemented and often how and still fight a front on trying to get other players to understand that we do deserve to get to play as well. 
yeah and i mean um from uh my own experience in, in games as well it's getting to a point where uh um realizing that uh accessibility isn't just about making sure things are accessible to those who are hard of hearing um uh, 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 uh or have the need for um um extra equipment it's also things about like levels of of difficulty it's also things mm-hmm. along the lines of um making sure that different aspects that you've put in to um affect the game's aesthetic could actually be something that could really detriment someone and and being making that as an awareness as well um mm. which tends to be something that people don't tend to even think about i mean tiffany when you're gaming what kind of like accessibility options do you tend to use because i tend to think that when people think about accessibility they just go well I, it's just easier modes but it's it's not it's no it's not, not. It's absolutely, it's absolutely not. People have the misconception of what is accessibility in gaming, and people think it's it's just an easy mode. Um, I.e., uh, for example, the whole controversy with Elden Ring. Um, Elden Ring, you can have a hard game, but if you still lack accessibility, there's a problem with that. Proper closed captioning, for instance, just having closed captioning, um, it's great, but not being able to adjust how big or small. The closed captioning is a problem. Um, that is something that should be addressed immediately. Um, also, on the on the topic of closed captioning, people don't understand that having um, different color coordinations and having the name of the character is actually very important for so the deaf community. Um, so they can know who exactly is talking and things like that. Having a black background that goes against um, the closed captioning makes it a better visual, um, makes it better visually for people to read and, and stuff like that. For me, I think closed captioning is important. I always try to put closed captioning on my games when I play on stream. Um, that's one of the most important things I believe in that makes the game accessible. Um, controller um, configuration, not everyone can follow the same controls. Um, control configuration is a very important thing because not everyone has the same motor skills like myself. So I need to have my control set up a certain way for a jump or a hit or things like that or action command. Um, that is something that is very accessible. Lighting is a very accessible thing. Uh, when it comes down to lighting, you want to turn on flash, turn off flashing lights, turn off um, bright settings, dim it down, and things like that. There are modes for that that are accessible. There are many ways that a game could become accessible for the community um it's just the companies that have to take the steps to do so yeah i mean i i know that this is uh also something that um uh is quite uh near and dear to pan's heart um working for <laughs> a charity that is designed specifically uh around making uh um uh, gaming accessible so what's your opinion on 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 how things are going Um, yeah (laughs) on 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 how your how things are actually currently on accessibility who who which one Uh, i was directing it at pan and then i was going to direct Uh, it as you because i wanted to make sure that we got pan's (laughs) uh, um, uh, opinion in there as well it's all good so yes for anyone that doesn't know i work for a uk charity called special effect um who do lots of different things in sort of gaming 
from making accessible games to creating individual setups for people to be able to access games. And there's so many things that people don't even think about, like, what do you do if you don't have hands? It's like, well, you might be able to use your knees or your neck or your shoulders or even your eyebrows in some cases or your eyes themselves or your voice. There's, like Tiffany said, accessibility is so much more than just the, the basis of things that people tend to assume. And I, I definitely do think that gaming has come a long way and that sort of accessibility is more of a focus, or at least I think it's something that tends to cross people's minds, but what isn't necessarily the easiest at the minute is ensuring that people have the funding to be able to take extra dev time to do it, um, or that they understand how much work needs to go into it or what should be done, which is why like disability consultants are so important because if you don't have lived experience of something, how do you ever know how to make it right and do it correctly and you know, represent as many people as, as possible? So, I mean, when I think back to older games that had two buttons and if you died, then it'd laugh at you and tell you that you're stupid. It's like that, you know, we're not quite there any longer. And even the games that are designed to be hard do have better accessibility in them. Elden Ring is a great example, I think, because Dark Souls is often held up, like all the Dark Souls games are often held up as these paragons of difficult games, but they're actually very fair. They are just punishing. So when they actually put in things that allow everyone to be at the same sort of level, whether that's cognitive or accessibility wise, I found lots of people are able to play them. I can't play Dark Souls 3 because it doesn't have anything that works with the way that the lag works in my brain, but I found Elden Ring far easier to play and offered me sort of more freedom and like, ability to see where things are and how things were going. And Tiffany, so basically the same question, how do you feel like accessibility is currently in gaming? I feel that, that we're getting there to the point where we are, um, we are getting to the point where we need to be with accessibility. Do I feel like it's gonna happen in the next year? Absolutely not. Do I feel like it's gonna happen in the next five years? Most likely. Uh, we are still behind. Um, the West is getting a lot better with it from companies such as Naughty Dog, Insomniac, mm -hmm. um, Microsoft with their adaptive controller. They um, are actually making some really big steps for accessibility to actually include everyone at the table. Um, but when it comes down to other companies, we are still very lacking. For example, like I said, um, I, I played Elden Ring myself, but I had to specialize Elden Ring to a play style that I could actually play in order to actually play the game. I have I have beat Souls games and, and that's fine, but that doesn't make it fine for the game not to be accessible in the end. So um, overall, I feel like we are getting there. There are people that um, really care for this, um, the uh, disabled community. But like I said, it's not gonna be there for probably another five years. So when it comes to um, uh, accessibility, what are some of the biggest misconceptions and stigmas um, that uh, you have come across? Um, that accessibility means easy mode. Um, that is like the biggest stigma in the community uh, after working with uh, people like uh, um, uh, Steven Spawn and, and Able Gamers and um, different companies. People honestly believe that accessibility is just an easy mode and it's not. It's options. It's yes, the easy mode is 
there and it is more accessible so everyone can play. But that's what people, able people believe that that's all you need to do in your game or that ruins a game or um, just very, um, very backhanded comments like that, um, that easy mode is accessibility and it's not, it's down to controls, it's down to, um, it's down to so many different factors of so many different disabilities that people just think that, yeah, I'll just put an easy mode in my game. We're just fine. No, that is the strongest, one of the strongest misconceptions about accessibility. And I mean, on the same front, the idea that even having like easy, hard, normal modes of of a game, how are you supposed to determine who who those are specifically designed for in a community of a wide range of skills, abilities, and uh, uh, general uh, um, experience of games? It's the idea that that's going to solve all of your accessibility issues is is naive at 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 the uh, best. <laughs> yeah, accessibility is incredibly subjective, especially when if you only decide to put in one form of accessibility to a game, say say something like eye control. What do you do if you have a blind player who can't use eye controls, and but you've not allowed any other sort of modes into the game? I think that's why um, The Last of Us, when they did their sort of accessibility reveals for the second game, was really good. Um, because they, it did seem to cover a lot of bases where it was like, you need this kind of feature, we've got that. You need better captions, we've got that. You need to be able to actually create a heat map, we've got that. You know, and I haven't seen a ton of games do that much in a single game to allow as many players as possible to play as an aside what's um everyone's uh um what's the best accessibility uh feature that you have seen in a game sign language in forza mm. a sign language an actual sign language interpreter um in the forza game i've never seen that done ever mm never seen that done um and that blew my mind because like it doesn't block the game it doesn't like interrupt the game in any way but like it's like it's revolutionary that we can actually have asl in like a game mm. like forza motorsports and no one has done that before that was revolutionary for me that game came out this year and that was amazing and that's everything there's like every, everything in, like that needs interpreting is interpreted. Everything is interpreted. Damn. It's that really revolutionary. Good. It's really good. <laughs> that that is fantastic. I I think one of the coolest ones mechanic wise that I found was in Hades, because um, Hades had uh, I think it was God mode, but God mode doesn't just in Hades doesn't mean you're impervious, but it means that the more you die, the more immortal you get essentially. So at the point you get where you've been able to figure out mechanics and you've got a better play style and maybe like you're feeling that you're able to get through situations without dying, you sort of end up with a, a level playing field tailored to you and how you tend to play, which I thought was was really cool. It's not perfect, but it was very nice that instead of just saying, eh, nothing can hurt you, it's good enough. It's like, well, no, we'll let it see how much it can hurt you and how well you can survive and then it'll tailor it if you're struggling. 
I like that. Hades, yeah, that's a wonderful example. Like mm. Hades was a wonderful. I used that as an example in an interview recently. But yeah, Hades um, being a hard game, using a mode to actually not only help you get better, but it's not too. It's not like too much of like something that. What is everything? What happened? It's it's not it's like it also is a way that actually do help you get better when you're struggling on these levels, but it's not like holding your hand too much. And that's mm -hmm. why I like I do agree with the Hades um add on that they did with God mode. I love that mode. It was great. What about you, Drac? Um I honestly trying to pick one is is quite difficult for me, but um and I know this is gonna be a strange example, but it's it's going to be all of the um uh overcooked um like they they did a a remastered overcooked release um i think it was last year and added so many different like accessibility features just to try and like, cause it, cause it was obviously the previous games as well. It was like they were adding a bunch of stuff in there, and it just, just, just the collectively, it was very nice to see that they had adapted and taken on that information and tried to to address as much as they they could. So I, I, I very much enjoyed that just as a as a whole. But um, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like trying to think of just just one specific yeah. feature is a difficult one. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on this are, uh, Tiffany. But um, one of the other misconceptions I think I've seen a lot is that like abled people can't use accessibility or they shouldn't, which I think is really silly. Especially because I think I think it was Sniper Elite that basically had a section on like in one of their manuals that said mm -hmm. if you've had a rough day and you really just want to enjoy the game put it on easy mode nobody's gonna judge you if you want to feel like a boss just go for it <laughs> like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i think any i think everyone should understand accessibility and playing a game on easy mode does not mean that you are abusing the accessibility um functions at all um video games should be catered around different experiences Video games should be um, catered around your, you know, what you travel through, who you're being and stuff like that. And options should allow these experiences to happen. I find nothing wrong with someone who is clearly able-bodied who just wants to enjoy the story. Um, like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, and it's also a good way to, like, get practice in and things and little things like that. So I don't shame people who are able-bodied using accessibility features because maybe, like, like Sniper really said, you want to just take it down a notch? Well, look, just put it on easy. It'll be fine for you. Enjoy the game. That's what you're supposed to be doing, enjoying a game that you spent money on and you took home and everything to play because that's what games are for, is for playing. And a lot of people just get too hooked up in their feelings. I'm not understanding what video games is, is a form of entertainment. Yeah. I mean, that is in, in itself... Uh exactly the point i made when uh start starting to play cult of flam um mm -hmm. for me uh i've never because <laughs> obviously I, I i assume that you both know of the game i, I misheard you and thought you said cuttle flam yeah and i was like cuttle is this a flam. fish game 
yeah like yeah. is it cultish no cult of the land cult of mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> right sorry the yorkshire accent there just mangles everything um it's more than that up. <laughs> it's very binding of isaac and yes. for me binding of isaac terrified me as yeah. a concept of a game purely because it was so it it it's it's the the dark souls kind of mentality of of it's gonna fuck your shit up yeah. <laughs> and and so that, that when going into that game i was very much like i am i, I want to enjoy this game i really want mm -hmm. to enjoy this game because everyone seems to be having a, a, a whale of a time it's got twitch integration which was just spectacular um but for me not being the the most gifted of gamers um I, I when streaming as well i find it very difficult when i'm put into a, a difficult game situation such as like binding of isaac would be um and was like you know what? I'm just going to put it on easy mode. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, obviously I got a few uh, uh, people that uh, uh, decided that that was, that was shameful, but I, I don't regret anything. I, I regret nothing. I get, got to actually enjoy a game mm -hmm. while yeah. on stream and just be like, yeah, no, I'm actually having fun. <laughs> can enjoy the game without actually feeling like i'm just going to be getting to a point of rage and honestly i, I feel like a lot of people need to just realize that it, it you can't play it in easy mode it's okay it there's it nothing wrong fun. with that like i don't know why people have I don't know why people just feel like it's okay to be like, oh, you're playing on easy. Ha, ha. No, you're not paying. Unless you're paying my bills, you have no right to say what you have to say <laughs> in my stream. Yeah. I don't care if you're a tier one sub. I don't care if you're a tier three sub. You let me play the game how I want to play. If you want the entertainment of me enjoying myself and playing a game to my fullest, then STFU and let me play the game. Yeah. Period. I think it's also something that um, is highlighted for me when it comes to console versus uh, PC. Now, I know that quite often um, accessibility, quite dependent on, on using controller, for me is mm. completely the opposite. I, I struggle very, very much so with controllers of most kinds other than like Switch. Switch is probably the first like controller system that I've actually been able to to mentally get around and actually follow the the usage of all of these buttons. For me, PC uh using massive keyboard is is that is my most accessible gaming. Now there seems to be a lot of stigma around that in the sense of if you're not using um a particular method of gaming um whether that be mouse or keyboard versus versus a controller for a particular game then you're doing it wrong and surely it's a case of well you should a design your games around both equally 
to make sure that those options are accessible to to everyone and mm -hmm. b shut up and let people play the game how they fucking want to <laughs> exactly exactly like i don't know why people like feel like they have to say those things i just ban people like that. <laughs> I was yeah. like, this ain't your stream. Get out of my house. So, you, sorry. Go ahead. ADHD jumping in on me there. Um, I was just about to say, though, I tell you something just while we're on the topic of sort of still misconceptions and things like that. One thing mm. that I've noticed is that a lot of people have made gaming their entire existence, entire being. And so if they're not the best at it, or if somebody else is playing in a different way and they, it's, they are perceived to be better than them, that's what tends to send them off the deep end and, you know, off flying off the handle. And that's when they start getting very angry. And mm. we saw this a lot when a lot of games started going cross-platform and there was the massive argument about, oh, but the people with mice will be better than me. It's like, okay, so just turn off matchmaking. Just keep playing with other people using a pad. That's fine. You don't have to engage if you don't want to. But I've been playing a lot of Halo Infinite recently because I really like it and I like the mm -hmm. PvP, though I'm not particularly good at it. But I do love the amount of people that say using accessibility is cheats, and yet to be the best, they install cheat engines and just cheat their way through the PvP. They cannot play it themselves, and so they'll get a bot to do it for them. I don't understand how they think that's acceptable, but being able to actually play the game isn't. Because some people are very insecure about their own selves, so they like to portray it on other people, especially able gamers, based in a nutshell, saying that my video game uh and everything like that it's really an annoying stigma that we have to deal with on a daily basis especially as advocates and consultants because all they want to say is get good and i'm just sitting there looking at you like is putting an easy mode really going to change the way of the game answer yeah. this question if it's going to change the way of the game then why are you complaining it makes really no sense that's like going to a pizza parlor and seeing different types of pizza and you're like Oh, this has cheese pizza, but I really, really like pepperoni. Ew, I'm not going to eat at this place because it has cheese pizza. That is the most foolish thing I ever, ever hear each and every time. And I always give that example. I was just like, would you eat at a place that had a food that you didn't particularly like? You still would eat there, right? So still play the freaking game. It's not that hard to understand. Plus, so, if you're yeah. talking about pizzas, they're both cheese pizzas. One just has extra options. Thank you. That's the point. That's exactly the freaking point. That's exactly the point, too. And I'm just like, you, like, there's your answer. There's how much sense you do not make. Easy mode is just less toppings. The, the Twitch streamer in me is definitely trying to resist the pineapple argument. I don't know. No sewing Discord right now. <laughs> oh dear okay so what do we have any other um stigmas or misconceptions that um we've come across that uh we'd like to discuss i could think of i was gonna say we probably could go on forever digging them out but i mean we've got time that's that's yeah. why i'm asking <laughs> nah it's all good <laughs> okay um okay so how has accessibility in games changed what hasn't and what needs to be done 
a lot. Like, um, when you think about like the first video games that have been out there from like Nintendo into like now we're getting into next generations and stuff like that. Um, it's changed a lot where we have now adaptive controllers, we have um better integration graded controls and stuff like that. Um, we have closed captioning, we have all these little things. Like I said, we're still not there. We're we're still not a hundred percent there. But we're getting to the point where, yeah, it is. This is the best video games have been with accessibility, a hundred percent. And what is something that really is glaringly obvious that needs to be changed? That the East needs to catch up with the West. Have we got examples? I don't want to name the companies because you know. Oh, but, and, and then um, more just uh, like things that are very a lot of like um, Japanese companies lack of lot of accessibility in their games compared to companies from like the UK or um, United States and so on. Um, when I say that the East needs to catch up with the West, it means that they need to start implementing, um, start thinking about implementing more accessibility into their games uh, a lot more, like the East is doing. I mean, like, yeah, like the uh, the West is doing, like, so, like Naughty Dog and all of them. That is like one of the biggest problems that a lot of us have like um, noticed. So yeah, it's just like that's one of the biggest things that the you know the East has to catch up with the West right now when it comes to accessibility. So what's something that um, like a an accessibility feature that? you would like to see put into games that currently isn't addressed. Cult of Lamb actually just finally did this. Um, flashing lights. Mm. Uh, you know how every video game has a warning saying, warning, this game has flashing lights. Well, why can't we just turn that function off? Mm. Like that's one thing I've been petitioning about for a very long time. Cult of Lamb is one of the first games that have done it. You can literally turn off flashing lights in Cult of Lamb. Yeah, I, I actually saw that feature and went, Oh yeah, I remember Tiffany saying about this. <laughs> yeah, it was like I was like, "What?" I was so like shocked. I'm like, "This little indie game did a feature that I've been talking about for like literally years that should be done instead of like warning this game is gonna flashing light. How about war How about you have a function that turns it off mm -hmm. so you don't have to worry about a possible lawsuit? You can give a warning all you want to, but people can still play the game and just bypass the warning very quickly because they just want to play the game." So turn that's like a function I really think people should really like companies should really like think about because uh, lighting is is very important with games. It's very important and it needs to catch that one. It does need to catch up a lot is the lighting. Honestly, it's also I find one of the most surprising that ha it hasn't been implemented sooner because for a very long time we've been aware of that interesting like in an IRL setting, we have been aware of of that. Like, even if you go to the movies, if you go to like uh, various locations, event locations, they have warnings of you know this may uh, um, uh, impact people who uh, uh, who are experience seizures or or uh, mm -hmm. uh, epilepsy. These are things that we have in our everyday life. Mm -hmm not in a game setting it seems like an odd one to have slipped under the radar really 
really is very odd in my opinion. I think it's almost a creative choice, which isn't doesn't make it fair. But when you try and think about games that are trying to create a sense of like unease, they'll tend to go the film route of having flashing or flickering lights and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I can imagine that they're going, well, how do I convey mood if I can't have that? And it's like, well, okay, so the person that needs to turn it off won't get that. So make sure you've got good audio. And if they can't hear, maybe they will have the flickering lights on instead. And that'll tell them, or you have good closed captions that say flickering lights and wheezing zombie sounds. Like there, there are many, many ways that they could address that. Yes. How about you, Pan? Is there uh, um, anything that you'd like to see implemented that you haven't seen? Yes, yes, massively, because it's one I like to talk about when I talk about accessibility options that I personally use. Um, and that is a, a vibration toggle or vibration amount, because a lot of modern pads will have really quite good vibration motors in that you can lower down or raise up if you prefer. Um, and because I have um, psoriatic arthritis and carpal tunnel in both of my wrists, if a game has a fairly strong vibration, um, then it will send my hands and arms numb, which causes me to drop my controller and then cost me 60 quid to buy a new one. Uh, so it, it costs me a lot of money to, to keep doing as well. But because I, opposite to Drac, use mostly um, pads because of the way that my hands sort of twist and, and walk with the arthritis, a game that doesn't have a vibration toggle that forces vibration on either when you die or through a cutscene, I physically have to put it down away from me or I feel sick and can't play. So yeah, if you're going to force vibration on, tell me it's going to happen so I can put the pad down or have a way for me to toggle and turn it off. It's not a difficult thing and nor do I think unless there's no audio and no visual and you can only play the game via vibration, which is a terrible idea, I don't see there's any reason why that shouldn't be a toggle. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd like to, see, don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd love to see a game that is purely uh, um, uh, designed around the uh, feeling of uh, touch sensations rather than uh, um, uh, visual or um, audio. I think that would be amazing. But I, I, yeah, I very much agree. That was going to be the one that I said. <laughs> just, just toggle vibrations because that is probably one of the biggest things for me that, that yeah. is when trying to play a game with a controller i i cannot deal with with vibrations at yeah. all and i know that devs and i'm sure this is something you've come across as well tiffany but devs will often say or communities will often say well it costs money to do these things and it does but i can only imagine that actually catering for more accessibility would result in more money because one some disabled people have money and they would like to spend it on video games and they're not going to buy mm -hmm. your video game if they can't play it or they will and then they'll refund you and you'll have to pay extra in charges. But if you also think if your marketing budget has a section for streamers and then the streamers have to cut stream because they've had a seizure or they have to turn yep. their screens off on and off because of the flashing. I've, like, I've done that with a couple of games. If I knew it had a flashing segment, I've turned the screen off and just gone... Sorry, everyone, you'll have to come back shortly when this is stopped because I'm getting a headache and I don't know which one of my audience has epilepsy and might really struggle. So you're going to lose money if you don't cater. Like, you've got a DMCA like music section, so why don't you have a turn off flickering lights for streaming section? It It's going to make you more cash in the end if you really want right. a bone dry reason to do it. <laughs> 
so in i'd like to uh, uh use this opportunity to uh um also make a segue into um accessibility and twitch now there's been a lot of of over the especially over the last two years or so a lot of uh um issues of like you know trying to get uh um uh, uh tags trying to get um uh features that allow us to to find communities based around disability uh um, mental health accessibility so forth um what are some features that you would like to see on twitch what are the biggest things that stand out to you that are lacking in accessibility close cap proper close captioning um twitch has a lot of money there's no excuse for this um that is something that uh we that is desperately needed instead of people using a third party and the biggest excuse of why people don't use closed captioning because of how annoying it is to implement into your obs so if there was actually in closed captioning then we wouldn't have to worry about this and we wouldn't have to like a lot of disabled people wouldn't have to complain another thing is possible like warning tags for um things that may happen um like if a video game does have warnings as clearly stated on their you know uh their background and stuff like that like in the beginning of the game because they do have to put that into um different review sites and stuff like that twitch should have that where it does say the warnings in the game is something that i actually still have and still am petitioning on in the twitch voices that's been there for over a year now <laughs> so um things like that are a little bit like kind of still irk me that we're not quite there yet and also twitch uh needs to highlight more disabled com creators and not just do it for a day for global accessibility awareness day that's just me being petty so <laughs> i don't find that petty at all i find that uh, highlighting an extremely uh, uh key point that, uh, of an issue that i have with twitch <laughs> yeah we had disability pride month and nothing happened so mm. Yeah, I mean, I th I'm thankful for the other opportunities that I get from Twitch that are not around disability communities, but I would love to see more dis disabled streamers on billboards. Yeah, yeah, I think That's what it's I assumed that a lot of gamers and thus disabled gamers are a small young white boys, and that is mostly because the 90s that's all that gaming was tended to be pushed towards. And so, mm -hmm. if you look at any old Nintendo sort of, and I will say it has gotten better at least from the adverts I've seen. But mm -hmm. all the old ones were like, you're a small boy with gelled hair, play Mario. And that was that was it. And so I still think a lot of companies think that is the only person that still plays their video games, but it's not. And like, especially during the pandemic, with so many more people having joined Twitch, and obviously those numbers have changed a bit with the world opening up, even we won't get into that. But with the world opening up in ways I think it shouldn't have, a lot of disabled creators came to Twitch as a way to support themselves and it would have been lovely to see that come back their way because mm -hmm. they started making more money for Twitch and that was great for them. Yep, I agree. But I do love the idea of it pulling triggers through actually, especially because it can work both ways. If somebody really loves a game with clowns, they could specifically filter for that trigger word and go, yeah. like, I really want to find clown games, you know. Right. They hated it. They could just be like, oh, bugger that, I ain't going near clown game, especially if somebody can't I could could, could we have the opposite of just going no clown game? Well, <laughs> it could be like the idea, and it could be like when you go into someone's Twitch, it goes warning: this game contains 
Mm. And then that way, and they go, are you sure you want to proceed? And you click on it. It's just like, warning, this is an 18 plus stream. Yes, like yeah. a, tr a trigger flag, like a mature flag. Yeah. So yeah, the streamer just flicks it on. You know, you're playing Resident Evil and it's like, you know, trigger, abusive family. Yes, put that trigger on and tell everyone, please. Because I do not want to have to explain to every single person that comes in, but I want them to know. Because, right. you know, I've, I've often mm -hmm. found with games that can be triggering having to explain it to every new person that comes in so I don't feel guilty that it might upset someone just means you're just saying the same trigger warning over again and upsetting someone. Yep. So, yeah, having it automatic would be brilliant. Any any others that you wanted to get in before I ask questions about them? <laughs> uh, I can really think of, honestly. But yes, no, I, I very much um, agree on the um, uh, needing to highlight the diversity in uh, the Twitch uh, communities as a whole. Like, I last year I got the impression that it was getting better in mm -hmm. general. Um, it is, you know, that we were getting tags, we were getting taken a little bit more seriously. Yes, we still had a ways to go, but there were things that we were, we were making headway with. And, and yet, every day for the past month uh, and a half, I have looked at Twitch front page and um, I've in total seen three people that fit the bill of not a pet white male. Uh, <laughs> the uk front page has the same eight people on it every single day and it does it i will say quick trigger warning here but there's always a gambling channel on there which is a yeah. major trigger for me and i can't turn that off which frustrates the hell out of me yeah so it's like i need to use twitch for my job let's just trigger you at 9 a.m in the morning shall we it's like oh thank you perfect just what i needed thanks who the hell is doing gambling at nine in the morning <laughs> Well, it's different time zones, isn't it? Um, well, it's the UK front page, though, so they're the UK streamers. Oh, I don't get just UK stuff. streamers. <laughs> I weird, yeah, because the top row for me is always got a UK flag in it. Oh, uh, for like me, it's England, England, England. For me, it's usually a wide variety. Um, oh. Quite often, I get a lot of Americans, um, uh, but it's usually if if I'm if you're saying you know going in in the morning, it would be uh, Australians. Mm. Um, Interesting. Which I'm glad to see because honestly, hmm. um, quite often um, uh, the ANZ side of uh, of Twitch does get heavily neglected. But I want to see mm -hmm. a wide range of Europeans or or. As you said, I want to see disabled people on the that page that aren't just featured for one day, um, right. or aren't there just for Twitch to to be like, look, we do good job now. <laughs> yes, we've we've done it. We've fulfilled our quota. Uh, there we go. So now we go back to the the, the ones that you know bring in millions. <laughs> it's saddening honestly and i feel mm. like we've we've advanced further along that uh argument but uh also that's where we will find out the accessibility options that are needed those are the places that we will 
learn more about how we can improve various games. They're the ones that are going to talk about the accessibility. They're the ones that are going to spread the awareness. Right. It seems like a, a no-brainer to me, but... Uh... <laughs> so it's like, it's like my major problem with Twitch. But, yeah. <laughs> What's something that you have found has helped you as a creator um, to increase the, your, your ability to utilize the platform um, for yourself? I think just talking about the issues have been like it's a way to use utilize the platform for myself because the louder I am the more I, I think I'm getting hurt <laughs> and that's the sad thing to say is like I feel like I have to be loud in order like for people um to hear me and you know I hate I hate having to say that but yeah that's that's what I feel personally mm. How about you, Pan? Is there anything that's helped you that's um, increased your ability to utilize the platform? I, I guess there's two things, like one as a creator and one as a consumer, I guess, as if you want to give it a really crappy term. Um, but I, I really like the site peer to peer. Um, at mm. least if I, you know, if I'm trying to look for like not a specific, it's not like I'm going I really need to find somebody who's this 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 and this and this but if I did want to find somebody you know who was like me I could probably go on there and find somebody who's mentally ill with psoriatic arthritis who also really likes cats you know it's one of those things where it's like I could find somebody like me or I could go and find somebody completely different and learn about them because they've put themselves on a platform and said hey come and ask me stuff I want to I want to talk and that that's really great so I like peer-to-peer -peer a lot and it is a lovely one the you know where you do have things like the disabled tags but twitch has changed how its tags work recently so you enter them yourself mm -hmm. so i've seen a hundred different versions of people spelling it incorrectly so nobody's in the right category together anymore so trying to find them that way is now useless um and everyone like some people have it with a capital and some people have it with a small like d at the beginning of the word so they're in two different categories as well which i don't understand why the tag system has been changed that way because You've just split them up into different groups of who can spell certain words and who spell checked and who just hit the keyboard went good enough, mm -hmm. which makes no sense. And then, I mean, well, and people with dyslexia as well. Uh, it, it's one of those things like they're not going to be found. So I like peer to peer that allow allows you to go in and sort of like look for what you're looking for. Um, but I, I set up a content warning screen um, because Twitch doesn't have anything like trigger warnings. And I didn't want to, when I tried to put trigger warnings in my title, it said they were banned terms and that I couldn't use them on the platform. So I was like, okay, well, I can't have them shown on my overlay. I can't mm -hmm. have them written in my title and I can't put them in the alert for the stream because it says Twitch will not allow you to go live with this information. So I'm like, right. So I set up a content warning screen and anytime anything happened, like there's there's a particular scene in the first Last of Us game. And I was just like, oh, my dear God, I am not showing that happening. It was very helpful for me just to be able to press a button. Have my voice come through, but automatically turn off the, the game feed and my camera feed and like the audio from the game. So I could be like, I need a minute to process this or everyone else would need a minute to process this. And then I could decide, do I tell people what's happening or do I just say, 
just Google it if you want to know what happens in scene four of this game. We're just going to, I'm just going to play through it and keep talking to you and then we're going to continue. But I think those are two things that have helped is actually being able to find people so that you find a community that you want and being able to manage my stream easier by not being like, oh, this is a thing I never expected would happen and now I have to try and look happy in this horrendous situation <laughs> to, to not freak anyone else out. For me, it's actually been um, uh, Frankface. Mm -hmm. um, I have found it extremely useful to be able to edit how my chat appears visually to me mm. because I struggled very much to differentiate chat messages um, and the size of the fonts were atrocious mm. yeah. and yeah. it allows you to edit so much <laughs> about how the information that you're getting across on the site is is given to you um it allows you to customize all all sorts of things there's appearance there's channels there's chat there's there's badges there's the bits there's the just just the emotes how big the emotes are um it, it allows you to cater it to all of your needs and for me that's been a huge huge um quality of life change um that honestly i think i think everyone should <laughs> should have access to these should be standard things that you should be able to do with with your your twitch uh -huh. chat it's it, whether you're a viewer or a, or a streamer it should be something that because you know even if you just need glasses being able to read a font <laughs> is pretty mm. significant but that's yeah but yeah it, again it, it highlights the fact that yeah there are there are a few things out there that allow us to to outside party tools that allow us to edit our experiences with things but this should surely be something that should be integrated into the site yeah i mean i don't know if either of you have ever tried to stream in vr i've done that a fair few times but um the way you read your chat is by pulling out a screen from your computer and like pinning it to an area that you can view um if you try and pull out twitch chat you Beside the three font sizes that it offers, you can't do anything else apart from like changing the colors. So if you have a dark game with a, a like a night mode Twitch chat, you often can't read usernames, and because no alerts come through there, you can't see what's going on in your actual game until you, so you have to keep taking the headset off, which makes no sense. Um, so yeah, something like being able to actually amend how the chat looks and sits is would be super helpful but that's what stops me streaming vr a lot which would be great <laughs> and to answer the question in chat how do you do vr with glasses you don't um there is a spacer that they that you can use to allow you to have your glasses on while playing vr but um quite often they do not work uh <laughs> so uh what i have to do is i have to take my glasses off and trust me, I've got very adept at playing Beat Saber with squinting. 
Yeah, I mean, that's very much an accessibility thing as well when it comes to hardware. And I'm sure you've got plenty to say on that as as well, um, Tiffany. But like the like the so the, the headset that I use does have things like being able to amend the distance between your eyes so that you can focus easier on the lenses. But to actually get it to the point where things aren't necessarily blurry, I do have to strap it to my face in such a way that it leaves a red bruise to actually be able to see. And they're also so heavy. VR is not accessible for anyone who has any kind of neck or back problem. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No. And the controllers are often too light, so they're very, very flimsy. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of work that could be done around VR, but there's not really enough companies putting money into making VR games yet. So... I can see why there hasn't been a ton of accessible hardware either, unfortunately. Yeah. I was daft and got the like battery pack uh, add-on to the VR headset. Um, and, and that, it's like, it, it, I mean, the rest of the headset, it, it actually has, they've adapted one that allows it to float more than it does like, like strap on like the, the uh, standard headset. But with mm -hmm. the battery pack, it obviously puts a huge uh, uh, strain of weight on the back of your head, which means that your entire time is you're trying to keep the VR headset level, trying to, you know, do your thing. And uh, um, it, yeah, it huge amount of strain on your neck and shoulders, which obviously even for for someone who doesn't have hypermobility and chronic pain, even for someone who doesn't have these issues, that's not healthy. <laughs> And we really should be starting to design gaming and general, like our our general computer experience and our console experience with our health in mind. Whether that be needing the extras for further accessibility or for just general health and care for oneself. I mean, it's standard practice for uh, um, uh, a lot of workplaces to have assessments of your uh, uh, computer setup of whether or not it's actually um, the correct height for your uh, um, uh, line of sight, whether or not you've got the right chair height and relative to your desk so you're not getting RSI and, and general aches and pains. This, this should just be standard stuff that we have access to throughout all of our gaming uh, or computer usage, surely. Or is that just me? I, <laughs> I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of accessible tech, because it isn't mass-produced, there's a couple of mass-produced items, a few more, like the other day, PlayStation announced their new sort of pro controller, but when you look at it more with the amount of accessible buttons and the like reconfiguring and stuff, it's essentially looking to be their initial answer to an accessible controller um but it is going to be really expensive um same as you know if you need to get a specialized desk height that's really expensive and if you need a specialized chair really expensive because mm -hmm. it's cheaper to mass produce everything that should work for most people and then damn the rest until they can afford to pay for it so Moving back to our, our, our focused questions, um, what is the most useful thing that um, those who aren't part of a marginalised group can do to support the community? 
just be good allies. Just do that. That's all you need to do. <laughs> Just be good allies. Don't try to speak over us. Just be there for us. That's all you gotta do. It's not that hard. We're willing. We're willing to like, you know, work work with these companies. Just, just work with us. That's all. And for, I know this is gonna be painful. Um, for clarification, what? is the definition of a good ally what is being an ally um basically someone who doesn't use their privilege to overstep over those who aren't in the same uh aren't like them basically someone who doesn't overstep someone who advocates without taking the spotlight from marginalized people um there there's many different examples of what is a good ally but those are the ones that um, boundaries are always important to for a good ally and just many other things that really make a good ally. Uh, that's in my belief is what makes a good ally. Yeah, And you can always try and be a good ally, but whether you are an ally or not is something that is decided by the marginalized group you're trying to represent or work with. It's You can't just say, mm -hmm. I am, and that's why I'm amazing. It's like, no, if you say you're an ally, but you're still acting like a shit, you're not an ally. <laughs> yeah, it's 100%. Yeah, you can't claim it for yourself, but you can be given it. Oh, mm -hmm. yes. so mm -hmm. it's like a little badge. We should give out little badges. A hundred percent. Oh, it should be like the scouts. You get like a lovely lanyard and like, I've been an ally for all these groups proven. Uh, I've been awarded <laughs> them. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so... As someone who is very vocal on the platform um, and uh, very much is what I would say one of our uh, uh, biggest uh, um, uh, uh, advocates on the uh, platform for uh, for such things, how have you found that role? How has that been for you? And have you actually had good experiences with people? being allies to you is this a question from who who's speaking oh for one? you tiffany <laughs> oh 100 percent. it's been a rewarding experience um i don't ask for anything return i do accept things uh preferably money um <laughs> but uh i don't ask for anything honestly for my advocacy i don't think anyone should ask for thing advocacy like i said if i happen to get things that's fine. I didn't ask for it. That's a hundred percent. Um, that's for advocacy when it comes to cult consultation. Yes. I, I a hundred percent do this as a job to help companies get better. And I do, you know, enjoy the payment that I get from it because it's something I love to do. And if there's something you love to do, then, you know, you should get, if you're good at something, get paid for it. Um, so I am thankful, honestly, to be in a position that I am to work so hard as an app, as someone who speaks a lot about accessibility um, and makes it basically my the in-game career that I want to do um, for this community. I'm sorry, sorry, it's raining out, so I'm in a lot of pain. So I'm going to say ums a lot. Um, but like when it comes, yeah, when it comes down to it, it's just like, it's one of those things where it's very rewarding because I know deep down inside my advocacy, my work and things like that are going to help the next person that wants to get into gaming and the future generation of disabled disabled gamers to play games and actually be accepted at the table. 
And what has been your um, golden moment for you? What's What's been that thing that is kind of like when you're having a tough day, you can be like, I fucking did that. That's what I did. Uh, I think it's when I spoke for Square Enix by myself about why companies should hire more um, disabled content creators, reviewers, and so on. And they actually listen. They actually was like, yeah, we're taking down notes. I think another thing was when Microsoft featured me as a local Spartan, which was a program here in Canada, highlighting amazing people and what they do for different um, communities. And they 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 came, they uh, gave me an actual Xbox, the newest one and everything. And I was just like, oh, nice. this is nice. <laughs> uh, this is very lovely. Uh, but it was more like they even, um, the, I think the most amazing part is they got the artists um, from the movie Kubo, which is a movie I really enjoyed. Uh, they were the concept artists to draw up my avatar for the hit uh, Spartan thing. And I was just like, oh, wow, one of my favorite <laughs> movies artists actually drew me. That was amazing. Um, so it's just that sense of like six like people see what I do and understand that I work really hard. Those moments like that really make it worth it. That's awesome. That's really cool. Pan, do you have any questions before I move on to backup questions and audience questions? No, I did, I I was writing notes for a second because I completely forgot what I was going to say earlier. But when you were talking about being a good like disability ally or advocate when streaming, um, is one thing I always look for, especially in my work. Is if you're playing a new game and you're a streamer, go through the settings. I like if I see somebody playing a brand new game, I want to see you go through the settings when you start the game up and look at the accessibility options. And if you are able to talk about it and you know why, talk about why they exist, see what's missing, see if you get anyone in your chat go, oh, but there's, there's an easy mode, then correct them. And then ask your chat if there's anything they need implemented. Like one thing I realized was that I had a fair number of dyslexic people in my streams. So any game that had a dyslexic font option, just turn it on. Because like, maybe you don't need it, but it ain't for you at that point. If you don't need it, but someone else does, it's for them. So shut up and just turn it on. <laughs> But yeah, I think I, I always love to see that if I go into a, a brand new game stream that I don't want to spend 60 quid on yet because I don't know if it's any good. And, you know, the streamer with their big audience is going, I'm going to look at all the different camera options right now. It's like, oh, awesome. Great. I wanted to see that. So, yeah, I like I like seeing that. Sorry, my brain just abandoned me there for a second. You're all good. You were going to backup questions and audience questions. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, what are, your, uh, are some games that you think help to share the perspective um, uh, or a snapshot of a particular disability? Um, Forza, I, like I said earlier, had a um, has sign language in it, which was really amazing. Last of Us has. Um, a directional speaker that tells you for people who are blind to tell you which way to go and to help guide you to the next destination, which was amazing. Um, Cult of Lamb had the epilepsy mode. There's many, many, those are just like small examples I can name, but those were pretty, like pretty awesome, honestly, for different people and different backgrounds. 
Are there any games that you can think of that have like story representations of disability or like characters that are disabled? Because there's a few I can think of, but it tends to be a situation where it's very much a cosmetic thing. Like Halo Reach has um, the character Cat. She has a bionic arm, but it's never mentioned or used for anything or explained. It's just there. Um, it's really hard because there's not many. Yeah. Um. Um. So my problem with disability disabled characters in video games is that I don't like the idea of a disability completely surrounding them. Mm. Like, it's not their character. Does that make sense? Um, I think one of the, like, I think a really good example of, like, one character was um, Joker from uh, Mass Effect. Mm. Oh, yes. He talked about his disability here and there, but it wasn't like something central around him being one of the best navigators in space. Mm. Um, there are like some like I that's that's the one thing I I'm just like I don't want my like if someone had lupus I don't want that to be their character trait. I don't want that to be like like that's the lupus girl. No, I want that to be like oh that's the badass girl who happens to have lupus. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So, like, for instance, um, there was, like, uh, Victor from Arcane. It's not a video game, but it's based off a video game. Was one of the most... He was... he Yes, he's disabled, but he's also one of the smartest minds in Piltover. And he wanted to find the cure for his disability. But if you know League lore, that doesn't... That comes at a very big price. But when he said a statement, he said a statement about his disability that struck me very hard. Like, it was like, it was like, whoa, I don't like this. I do like this, but I don't like how real that got mm -hmm. as someone who's chronically ill. And he's a chronically ill character. So, like, that struck me hard. But it's more like, you know, it wasn't really his main focus. But it was like they did speak on a lot of things about his disability. I just like characters who are disabled, um, who is not their character trait. That's the one thing I strongly do. I'm really excited for Tales of the Borderlands, too, because there's a character who uses a wheelchair. And I want to see what they do with this character, because she looks like she's going to be funny and like really down to earth. And she's a plus size, she's a plus size woman in a wheelchair. And I'm just like, oh, this might be interesting if they do this right. Yeah. I want I want them and I want them to do this right. Cause the Borderlands writing team are very clever. And I want them to actually write a this character and not make the wheelchair her main focus. Because it looks like she's in firefights and everything. So I just can't wait to see what they do with her. That's really cool. Yeah, I saw that. I was really excited to see what would happen because generally when it comes to um uh, developing um, complex characters, um, they're usually very good at it, and mm -hmm. so I, I have high hopes <laughs> for it. I mean, don't get me wrong, there is room for uh, uh, um, uh, disappointment, as there has been previous ones. So I'm looking at you, pre-sequel. But um, other than that, I, I think that you know, generally, I'm I'm quite optimistic about their 
hell they may they may use that character and and i mm. i really do hope that that's a good representation yeah unfortunately there's been a few too many games and i think mass effect actually is a good example because there's there's a dlc for the second game which focuses on an autistic character um but they've very much made him rain man in in quotes like like autistic to the point where everyone around him believes that he can't function he should just do math and that's you know th that character goes through a hell of a lot um and doesn't really end happily for them and his disability is very much used as a steer for everyone else to be a hero not as just a character who is disabled which is frustrating and i mean i'm glad a story exists that tells you know some of the horrible side that some people are very much used to as accessories but it was one of those i'm like jesus you went at that hard at every angle and then you know kept that character and the accessory but then you've got other games like dead rising 2 where the well a child has almost like an impending chronic illness because she's been infected with a zombie plague but they can keep it at bay with medication but she's only ever treated as a burden not something they're happy to help keep her alive just frustrating you have to keep going back and giving your kid medicine it's just like mm -hmm. what why why are you making the disabled characters either just cosmetic or burdens it it would be lovely to see one that, as you say, is an actual character who is also disabled. Because like Geralt of Rivia, as far as I understand it, in the books, it actually has a physical disability with his leg, yeah. Um, which he does need to treat with poultices and things like that. And it's not even referenced in the games. Like there's not even a voice line when you know winds howling, legs aching. There's not even that tiny hint that you know a bloody old dude who's covered in scars and war wounds actually feels anything from them when we know he should like you don't necessarily need to set him a schedule in the game and make him take his ibuprofen but any kind of i mean i wouldn't say no to that <laughs> maybe that should be a toggle because that might be frustrating for some people with adhd but it it's one of those things like there's so much room for good representation. I do think Joker was a great one, like with Froelich's disease, with his with his osteoporosis and brittle bones, because he's a character that works incredibly hard so that people do not make him an accessory because of his disability. And I loved how he was written and how much of a dick he could be sometimes. I like that he had his own personality that wasn't just a, a humble little accessory. So in terms of... Uh... We've talked about representation in games, but who are some um, disabled content creators that you personally uh, like to uplift? <laughs> Tiffany. Steven Spawn. Yep. Uh, Steven Spawn is, is the leader of Able Gamers. Um, he's been a very, very... Wait, what is my thing doing? Hold on. Is my mic muted? No, 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 no you're no, good. You're oh, good. Okay, okay. Steven Spawn is a very, very like he's been like a leading force with accessibility. Um, and he's been just such a kind soul to work with. Um, he invited me to be on the Accessibility Awareness Awards. Um, it was like it was just a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, Def. I believe their name is Deaf Gamers TV. Um, they've been advocating in the fighting game community for a somewhat an interpreter, an interpreter speaker um, of, of sign language, someone who does sign language 
for the fighting game community and they've been working very hard um for that aspect uh it's good to, and it's also good to see a poc like <laughs> being at the forefront of something uh let's see here um uh blind gamer steve is another one um who's taken a lot of crap especially on tiktok about why accessibility should not just be an easy mode um they have worked on game they especially they actually worked on the last of us too um they're one of the people that was behind the directional um imp the directional implement for those who are blind uh to play the game and understand like actually fully beat the game and stuff like that so yeah those are like three i can think of off the top of my head <laughs> yeah steve both both steves have steve and steven they're both fantastic and i absolutely love them mm -hmm. and what's some advice that you would uh like to give to game developers um in terms of making their games more accessible well the first one should be pay a disability consultant <laughs> yeah pay us we're more than willing to work for you you got you make you pay all that money for marketing you could pay money to make your game a little better um that's one of the major things is pay people to help your games pay people to basically um, bring everyone to the table and stop being fake about it. That's the one thing I, that's like the number one thing I was saying, just do better with your um, options um, and understand why these are important. That's what I would say to game developers. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask or get things wrong. I think like getting things wrong means you obviously don't push like a horrendous thing to live, but like mm -hmm. if, if you're going to write up a document and it's a bit crap and then you actually get somebody to look at it and they go, it's a bit crap. I mean, firstly you tried, which is great. And then second, you've got a basis to make it better. So like mm -hmm. at least just give it a go. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then pay people. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent pay people. I mean, I, have talked to indie devs that have the right kind of attitude of okay yeah maybe maybe they're not the, doing the paying part uh, but at least they're asking they're asking the community they are they are listening mm -hmm. to what the community is saying to them about mm -hmm. how there needs to be accessibility options there needs to be these considerations it doesn't want to be a last minute uh, thing it needs to be something that they mm -hmm. are taking seriously from point one that there are various options that they may not consider that they need to be thinking about and that it's not something to be left on the wayside um but i think that would probably be the highlight for me is just a actually ask because if if you just assume then can you can you give me i'll be right back one moment yep not a problem in fact i was just checking up uh drag a couple of names of uh streamers that i'd recommend mm -hmm. um the those. so the first one would be dynamic reactions mm -hmm. she's amazing her name is kennedy she's a black disabled content creator from america i believe um but she's fucking hilarious first off really funny but she's also been brilliant I, I think i followed her first when she had like 200 followers and she's now on like 1.7k she does lots of like dead by daylight and stuff like that she's very cool i like her a lot and she's always been super 
like open to talking about disability and accessibility, which is great. Um, and the second one's a friend of mine, Malik VR, who is uh, a disabled veteran from Air Force, uh, from the Air Force, I believe, um, who has issues with his spine. But he does almost well when he's feeling well, entirely VR games, which is really cool. Um, so if you need anyone that knows a hell of a lot about space, VR games, cars, and disability, then like Malik's great to talk to. Very cool dude. I can't even Do you remember. have any suggestions? Um... <laughs> Put you on the spot. Yeah, I, my my brain currently isn't working very well at the moment, so I couldn't even remember what I said prior to you saying that the, those are the people that you recommended. That's um, okay. And and one of the people that I recommend is the person that we're interviewing. So, <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> like, I mean, I know I know so many uh, diverse creators uh, on this platform, most of which we have had the delight of actually interviewing on here. And that's for me the important thing is that. That we're creating a space where we actually get to get the voices onto onto this the podcast onto the stream and actually talk about those topics that are are not often talked about and i mean especially when it comes to accessibility in terms of the platform that we're using the platform that we're we're actually trying to to make accessible in its in itself it's it's important to actually get people who who know a bit more about that or or have the experience with it or have the advice to 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 share with us and to actually uh um talk about it um in a space like this i mean you and i can hardly remember what we're saying half the time so it does help to have people know what they're talking about <laughs> especially with things that neither of us have experienced so yes, we're very thankful for the incredible guests that we've had yeah no i, I i'm starting to question whether or not uh, uh any time after 6 p.m for a podcast is <laughs> just me doing emails like i'm still working for two hours i'll be back in the yeah, yeah. I will say though, um, on on the last question that you asked Tiffany about what developers can do, actually, and just plug my my job here, the special effect actually did make a free resource for all game developers, which is online called DevKit, um, which is a set of videos which are all timestamped as well. So if you have a really short attention span like I do, you can choose the specific thing you want to know about motor accessibility, um, and then it will basically tell you what games it's been implemented in and how it works. So if you're making like a side-scrolling game and you want to make it more accessible and implement things like Coyote Time, which is where you get to the end of a ledge and you have a tiny amount of space once you've stepped off of it to still do a movement action, which if you have really bad reaction times is a great thing to have implemented, um, then yeah, DevKit is free and it's on the special effects website and you don't have to ask to use it, you just can which is great. So you can just Google it. So many people like Tiffany have created free resources as well and put them online. So even if you can't afford to pay someone and you don't obviously want to go and ask someone for free labor, which isn't fair unless they offer it, there's loads of stuff online and play other video games. Like if you want to make a, a beat em up game and you know there's a really good accessible one, then play it and use it as research. Like. It, do do research and then pay people to tell you how to do it properly if you ain't sure. 
I mean, that's a fantastic resource. That's a absolutely great resource, especially for indie developers that mm. maybe, yeah, I mean, bigger companies, they do not have an excuse to put accessibility by, uh, as a afterthought. But indie developers who have got, like, literally no money to, <laughs> to make <laughs> games, I could maybe kind of understand. But if there is resources out there that give them all of this information of how to implement these things for free, love it when games as well that released not necessarily with good accessibility then have a release either for accessibility or you know some alongside a patch comes some accessibility features like warframe did that recently <clears throat> where they've been going i think maybe 10 years now the game and it started with a few features but it's been growing and changing a lot over time because it's a free-to-play game and so they had to you know get money to actually pay for the game and all their workers and it's been doing very very well but their last major update came with a big accessibility update as well which had sort of motor accessibility and then like other bits and bobs in there as well for free obviously never charge for accessibility updates that's silly but that was really lovely to see that a 10 year old game they still went back and went actually we can do more like we've put in a new system it needs better accessibility then we're not just going to launch it and then see what we can do later so yeah if you've released something and you can go back and change it then that's great as well yeah i mean that's i think that is is part of of the issue right now is that despite the fact that we've got to a point where we're we're um adjusted to Alphas, betas, uh, release Ooh. of games now where we pay yeah. full price for half a game. Um, <laughs> we're we're okay with that, but the idea that you could maybe make changes to make a game more accessible later down the line because you've you've realized that something has not been addressed. Yeah. Why is that so hard oh. to and I, I would love to see games any game that releases on pc and then later makes a console port i know it's not as simple as pressing control c control v but if you can make controllers work and you make a controller ui for your console game try and make it for the pc game and release them as well because there's so many games that i played on console or on pc and then when they came to vice versa i wanted to switch but they didn't have the same bloody control systems it's like mm -hmm come on like what why one of my favorite games and i won't name names because i know they're working on it but one of my favorite games that i have over 1500 hours in came to consoles had a console ui and console controls and they for another year didn't put that on pc and it still doesn't work correctly and i'm like but you knew what to do i know you had to dedicate dev time to it but you still had it working for a year what why did it take so long <laughs> Welcome so, back, Tiffany. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. I had to just take oh, care right? of something real fast. No worries. Um, honestly, we're just rambling about uh, how uh, accessibility should, even if it is a something that comes down later down the line, it shouldn't be something that um, you don't implement just because you've already published the game. Mm hmm 100%. Yeah, we were just saying there's a couple of really great games that have, you know, that released 10 years ago that have gone on to now include lots more accessibility because there's been more research or they've had time to develop systems and that kind of thing. So it's it's it does make me sad when new games come out and they say, oh, there'll be an accessible version in six months time. 
and then they just don't communicate anything about it like at least tell us why other people have to wait six months to play if it's that you need far more time to dev it fine but let people know because it does it does hurt a little bit see everyone enjoy something new and you're like can't physically interact with this game but they say i might at some point <laughs> yeah it's not i mean i can understand like if there are more complicated features that you maybe need more time for later down the line but really there are there is there are some very basic things that shouldn't be put as a as a later down the line kind of thing like i mean you have a script of your like voice pieces you, mm -hmm. you can have a captioner <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can like they. There's no reason for them to have to transfer the the caption of the script to things. Yeah, a hundred percent. You 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 had to script it up in the first place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Plus, if your game has localization, it already has the script physically written down, and usually direction notes for recording it in other languages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that could be translated into a captions. But, hey. <laughs> oh dear. Um, okay, right. Um, okay, I've got what are your favorite games and why? I was just about to say we don't have any audience questions, but... Ha ha ha! I really enjoyed the Monster Hunter series um, and Yakuza. Those are my favorite games. They're not the most accessible, but I just... I have to make them accessible for me, but I really do love those games so much because I love the Yakuza series because it's it's very serious but then it does things like very off the wall that mm -hmm. you wouldn't see like in any real life situation and it's monster hunter i just like going on hunts with friends and like mm -hmm. travel and like taking down stronger and stronger creatures and it's just like that and the rewards and stuff like that even though the rng is bad <laughs> it hates yeah. me but like yeah those are my favorite games uh right now there's a creator I love called Pop No Tarts and she's amazing and she loves Yakuza and I tuned into one of her charity streams once um, and found that they were in the middle of a segment where they'd just gone from like an argument and then it was a dance section in a hall. Yes. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this game? <laughs> it was amazing. And they were just sat there like, I'm not leaving until I have 100% of this. And it was like 50 minutes of just like hitting the kitchen. <laughs> just being like, I haven't got the slide correct. It was it was amazing. It was so <laughs> funny. <sighs> All right. Um, Pan, have you got any further questions? No, I think we've covered a lot. I mean, when it's one of those that we have a two-hour slot, but occasionally we'll get guests like you, Tiffany, who mm -hmm. are so incredibly good at articulating what they want to say <laughs> that it takes no time at all. Sorry. Sorry. Who good, Tiffany? That does good. tend to it tend to be one of those cases. Like, yes, yeah, so you're you're really on point. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've, we now have two hours. <laughs> I've I've just thought of a question actually because I first learned about Tiffany not through Twitch but through a video game and actually through the Game Grumps, which I think I told you about. Um, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I first found out about Tiffany. Um. So, because obviously you're a, a voice. Do you prefer actor or actress, or is there another term that you use? I, I use voice think... actor. Fair enough. Voice actors. What's been one of your favorite roles that you've done in a game? <laughs> 
I can't even say it because I'm under NDA. <laughs> oh, no! Okay, what's the best one you can talk about? <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, I have to say House Party, even though that game's banned on Twitch, but House Party. <laughs> Uh, I played it recently, actually. My friend bought a copy for me after we watched the whole Game Grumps playthrough. It was very amusing. and uh, she It's a stop. very interesting game. And, like, I was really honored to, like, be chosen. Because they told me on April Fool's I got the role, so I didn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> that um, kind of fits the House Party vibe. House Party is a game about being at a house party. And it's full of... Uh, sex and frank and um frank is a character you'll understand once you meet him believe me and uh and drugs and one guy that ends every world with bra and then uh the game grumps uh who are uh, a youtube channel that they're both in it so that's <laughs> why is it bad <laughs> for all of those reasons i've just explained um there's some very 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 interactive sex scenes <laughs> and um uh, and then, uh, and Tiffany hunts a snake in it, and I mean, I do mean a snake, not you know, um, <laughs> yeah, a, a literal. A li was I think it was a python. It's a python. Yeah, <laughs> it was a python. Cool. And uh, he had a fun name, but I can't remember. All I know is that occasionally you walk around the house with Tiffany's character Leah, and you'll just hear for coming from a cupboard somewhere, and it's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely a ride. Uh, yeah, it's banned because there's a lot of uh explicit sexual content in it. Yeah, you basically like it's not the it's not the point of the game is not to bang. It's to like basically yeah. go through all these storylines. But there is sex in it, but you can censor it. So um, they've been actually petitioning and fighting to have the game on Twitch yeah. for a very long time because other streaming platforms will allow the censored version to be played. Mm. Um, so they're just like. We I wanna we wanna have our game there. <laughs> like and which is like, yeah, it's understandable. But yeah, it's um I don't I haven't voiced in any movies. I don't do movies, I do mostly indie games and um mm. animations. Um, but I will be in a game that's not an indie game <laughs> coming <laughs> up, and I'm very, very excited. I just learned I got the role today and I'm recording next week. Very um cool. so um I'm doing my first triple A company game. So I'm very, very excited yeah. to like do a big, 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 big game. Well yeah, done. It's, it took four years, but it finally happened. First of many, I assume. Mm, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Crossing fingers on that. Um, I do have a, another audience question. Um, what is one concrete example of an accessibility tool that exists in the West, but not the East? Um, oof. Probably more the visual... Um, the East has subtitles, but their subtitles are not that great. Um, a lot of East Eastern game subtitles, you can't change anything. You can't uh, make it bigger or smaller. You can't add the black background with a white text. You can't do any of that. And that's one of the one of the first things I can think of um, that the East is now slowly catching up on. Um, the East are now starting to implement, you know, easy and hard modes and stuff like that. Um, I think Death Stranding did it. Death Stranding is one of the, like, one of the first, like, Eastern companies I've seen that had, like, pretty decent accessibilities for an Eastern company. Um, and, the, and the way they just had, like, relax, basically relax mode. So you just want to travel and do the story, you know? You don't want to deal with, like, the monsters or anything. You just want to take the road and um, get to point A to point B, which I thought was really, really well done by Kojima. Um, but yeah, when it comes down to um, 
certain like the one major thing is subtitles subtitles seems like they should be the most e- simplest thing to get right but a lot on the east do not get that right they'll implement it later and that's one thing that irks me when companies implement accessibility in patches later uh, when i think accessibility should be a foundation of yes. gaming um so especially yeah especially now so like yeah it's it's basically subtitles yeah Ugh. Hideo Kojima is very interesting though I have found because I loved Death Stranding when I played it mm-hmm. but there were some things I never even figured out because the game told you so much about some things and nothing about others like to balance the weight that you're carrying on Sam's back there's a little purple circle underneath you but it's against a grey background so you ne- yeah. can't necessarily see it that well because it, it changes size based on how much you're carrying so I spent the entire game like mashing my controller with like six buttons to hold it on one side when all I needed to do was put one box on the right, but because I couldn't bloody see the uh, little uh, thought alert, yeah. me, I had no idea that was a thing. So good mechanic, badly explained. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. Like the east, the east is getting there. They're trying their best, but like, it's it's just it's just a process. But they are trying. They are trying. They are pushing. Like um, Yakuza Like a Dragon was pretty well with like a lot, a little bit of accessibility, which I found really nice. They even had like. A, like a, a gameplay mode where it was just like just enjoy the story and it was a fantastic it's by far one of the best yakuza stories in the whole series and it's it's not even an action game it's an rpg yeah they, I, I they, cha- they changed it to an rpg which i really loved mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I love final fantasy 14 which i have found has, oh that's I a was, very accessible game yes i was surprised how much accessibility was in that game it's still a little mm-hmm. bit impenetrable if you don't like it was only my second ever mmo my first like 10 hours of playing it i was just sat there going what the fuck is going on like what do any of these buttons do but now that i'm used to it and now that i've tweaked a few of the settings to be better for how i play and the fact it's immediately fully compatible with the controller from the second you pick it up mm-hmm. oh my god it's one of the most beautiful games i've ever played and i wish other games that had like multiple attacks and things actually use the same system of hold trigger press button because that way i have four attacks on two buttons which is so mm-hmm. much easier than most other games where it's like okay now hold six buttons at the same time it's like no i just i just want to press that one thank you and i have found the <laughs> community is really quite supportive as well there's been a couple of dungeons i've gone into and said hi I'm disabled. I'm going to be a bit crap in this dungeon because my hands hurt, but I need to do it for the story. And they've gone, don't worry. Like, we'll sort you out. If you die, we'll res you. If you're having trouble, then let's The community is very, very nice compared to some MMOs I've played. Like, the community is very, very nice. I've barely... I like... I I played, like, through, I think, the game. I kind of speed ran through the first (laughs) part. Um, but like I met the people that I met were very nice. I was like, I'm a, I'm very new. They were like, oh, we could see the sprout over your head. And I did, and I <laughs> it took me forever to notice there's a sprout that indicates <laughs> that you're a newbie. And I was like, ah, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> and I do love that even even if you don't want to say anything or say you can't type because you're using controller, if mm-hmm. you've never done the dungeon before and you enter, a chat message automatically goes in that says one or more players is new to this and you will get a bonus if you do it in X amount of time. So without telling any, like without having to out yourself, it mm-hmm. will still tell the entire party that somebody's new, so don't be an asshole and just run off too fast. It's not fair. Like, And it yeah. makes sure everyone's loaded in before you start sprinting off, which is great. So, because Elder Scrolls Online had a major issue with just people, the second they loaded in, sprinting off and leaving you behind to die and 
that you know that was it and it was like <sighs> okay so you know at least final fantasy waits till everyone's loaded and you do not leave the start zone until everyone's ready which is really nice that's just that's accessibility through mechanic which is great <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent. i did find the game like as i said there's there is a lot of uh um uh, accessibility in that but i found it extremely overwhelming as a yes. first first time player don't get me wrong i love the game but it was everything there was so much and trying yes. to figure out just how the game works in itself because there's so many different mechanics and there's so many different parts and then also having like here and there bits of like you can adjust this or you can adjust that you could thrown in randomly i think that it could have been implemented better in the sense of like introducing you to the options without completely and utterly overwhelming you i mean final fantasy 14 is a really interesting one because it started um with the 1.0 version of the game which was an absolute dumpster fire it was really bad and a lot of the mechanics were even worse than they are now and it was very badly set up and it looked bad um and it was one of those things that there's a really brilliant documentary about it on youtube um, for free which they were basically going to be like we're going to have to scrap the game and then the uh is it naoki yoshida so yoshi p um, yoshi p yeah yeah said give me the project i will work to the bone which he never should have done he should have taken some fucking time off but we can't tell him anything um but he was basically like, give me the project, give me two years, and we will de deliver you a brand new MMO based on these bones. And that's what they did, which is why the first part of the game, um, A Realm Reborn, is so long, because it takes you back through the story of what the first year of players went through. So mm -hmm. The first like time that you play the game, and the first like five to ten hours, it is introducing you to all these old legacy systems, which unfortunately were clunky as all hell. But if you can get through that, it suddenly becomes so much nicer and luckily they built every new system on the old system so there's a mechanic that you get access to during stormblood which i'm not going to sp spoil for anyone but it uses the same mechanic as something you get in the base game so right. even though it's brand new to you it's still based on something you now understand so instead of being like you have 12 things to learn every single time you start a new session it's the this is the same as the old thing just looks different which i have found mm -hmm. really helpful so yeah if you can get on with a realm reborn it does get easier and the story gets so much better so much better so good oh i love it <laughs> that might be my sticking point <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is unfortunately it is one of those things that you do have to slog through the beginning especially if you've not played a lot of mmos like i hadn't but if you can see something in it that you like enough to endure it for 10 hours and keep battling the controls until you get it where you want to, I think it is worthwhile and it does have a lot of accessibility that once you're comfortable you can play with. Mm -hmm. yeah. I did have to adjust those settings yeah. for myself to um, incorporate a, uh, uh, <laughs> a hotkey that allowed me to uh, uh, move my character uh, as vision without actually having to hold down the mouse button the entire time <laughs> yeah. like whoever yeah. thought that was a good idea was was seriously um yeah it's <laughs> 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 not a good design at all oh. but yes anyway um right um 
I guess we we have run out of questions. Um, do you have any final tidbits, uh, bits of things that you'd like to leave us with, advice, uh, or or just a nugget of wisdom before we sign off, Tiffany? Uh, just basically support accessibility in games and like be a good ally and understand why this is important to bring everyone to the table so everyone can enjoy gaming because gaming should be for everyone. Pan, any any last things that you'd like to say? No, uh, exactly what Tiffany said. And just if you are able-bodied, still have a look at the options. And if you've got an audience that you can share them with, do that too. And if there's something you see that you think would make your life easier, just use it. There's no gatekeeping in this. It's there to make things mm -hmm. easier for you, not to make you better than anyone else. Accessibility is about making everyone level, not making one person better than another. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Just have some bloody fun with the game that you're playing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both for joining uh, today. I hope um, everyone in the audience had fun and this found this educational. Um, please do go check out um, our co-host Pan. Uh, the link is in the chat there. And our guest Tiffany, uh, go spread some love. But yes, thank you both for joining uh today thank you for giving us your time um it's a very valuable thing and i know that uh, we're all short on it so uh thank you so much for coming and talking to us um if uh you all would uh like to go and check out the socials as well uh spread some love that way as well to keep in touch when their next streams are um so yes have a good rest of your evening or day have a good good rest of your week if you'd like to keep in touch yep go follow the socials and uh join the discords and etc uh my next stream will be tomorrow uh so i will see you then but yes have fun all and i'll see you all soon say bye all bye <laughs> apart from my stream deck doesn't work you're gonna need to fix that at some point drac i swear <laughs>